Alive multivitamins and minerals give you all the nutrients you need for a well-nourished life. Made with a blend of 26 fruits and vegetables and suitable for vegetarians. There's a range of targeted solutions for the whole family. Get more out of life with Alive. Available in selected Holland and Barrett stores and online. Food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a varied balanced diet and healthy lifestyle. Hi, I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, your host for The Wellness Edit, the brand new podcast with Holland and Barrett. I'm the author of The Plant Power Doctor, coming out in January 2021. In this first episode of our brand new podcast, we're going to be discussing the immune system. What is it? How does it work? And how can we best support our immunity? Joining me today is Dr. Jenna Machoki, an immunologist and author of Immunity, the Science of Staying Well, and Senior Nutritionist for Holland and Barrett, Emily Rollison. Hello, ladies. It's lovely of you to join me today. How are you both? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Hi, Emily. Good to see you. Hi, yeah. Good to see you too. Thank you. Okay, so let's get started. I'd love to just ask you both, actually, let's start with Jenna. Why is it so important right now to focus on our immune system? Yeah, well, we're stepping into winter and we know that there's a lot more seasonal colds and flus that circulate during this time. So it's really important that we are taking care of all aspects of our immune system to make sure it's functioning at its best to protect us and keep us well. Yeah, I agree. I've certainly been seeing a lot of patients now. Um, As you say, coming in with seasonal illnesses, it's definitely the right time to be focusing on this. And Emily, what are your thoughts about the immune system? Why do you think it's so important? Yeah, so as um, as Jenna said, it's um, sort of come into the cooler seasons, and and we know that sort of viruses and things tend to like the the colder, less um, sort of humid weather. Um, so it's really important now more than ever. But also as the days are drawing in, um, we're not getting as much sun, um, and and that's something that's quite important um, for the immune system as well. So vitamin D is uh, something that we we hear about a lot that you get from mainly synthesizing from the sun um so as the sort of days are drawing in and it's a bit darker outside um that that can be something that's really important too yeah absolutely it's so important to support our bones and muscles especially for people who are staying indoors at the moment so jenna i wanted to get back to you about this because i know that the immune system is a really complex and complicated issue how do we know if we have a strong immune system or a weak immune system? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm sure that um, one that we're all asked quite frequently. So yes, as you said, your immune system is this incredibly complicated uh, system that involves all these different components all working collectively to protect us. So the goal is really to have a a well-balanced, well-functioning immune system to keep us well. Um, But we can often have those telltale signs that it might not be working well when we get many more infections than normal. So it's quite uh, usual to get a couple of uh, seasonal infections a year, colds and flus that are easily resolved. So a telltale sign might be if you're getting these much more frequently than than one or two a year. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, also, if you have poor wound healing, so it takes you longer to repair and recover, or persistent tummy troubles can also be a sign that something's not right. Okay, so persistent tummy troubles, frequent infections, those are the really key things. And um, 
What about someone with a strong immune system? How would somebody know if their immune system was particularly strong? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess if you feel well most of the time, like I say, infections are, are part of life. We live in a very germy world, so it's quite normal that you, you might get an infection. And, you know, anytime you come in contact with other people, there's a, a risk that they might pass you something. And it's important to remember that we're all immunologically unique by design. So um, genetically, we're actually quite similar, but the small part of our genes that differ the most is in our immune system. So we're immunologically different. And that means that when you have an outbreak of an infection, we'll all have a slightly different response to it anyway, regardless of anything else. That's kind of our baseline. So it's quite hard to know if you have a particularly good immune system because you might be very good at fighting respiratory infections but you might be more prone to other types of infections there's sort of no hierarchy if you know what I mean uh, um, in terms of how the immune system is the fact that we're all different that makes that is important in terms of our immunity yeah okay so I think that sometimes it can be quite hard to understand because some people have what's called autoimmune diseases and you think well is that the immune system um, being too strong or is it being too boosted um, is that something that you um, that you tend to see a lot of in certain populations of people, or does it does it vary in your opinion? Yes, I mean, again, going back to this, um, it, how we're all immunologically unique. There are these special genes of the immune system called the compatibility genes, and it's actually been found that some of these genes that that make us very well protected to infections can actually also increase the risk of autoimmune diseases. So there's always this genetic baseline that we have, um, and then layered on top of that is all the kind of other inputs into our immune system from diet and lifestyle that shape how well we respond to infections. And yes, sometimes it can go awry and start to react against us and cause things like autoimmune diseases or react against things in our environment that are benign and harmless and cause things like allergies. Um, and that might not necessarily go hand in hand with an inability to fight infections. Right, so there's a huge spectrum. We've got allergic conditions, autoimmune conditions and the ability to fight infections and it all has to weave together in a <laughs> functional matrix. Um, and I suppose that leads me on to Emily, just to asking you a bit more about... Um, what um, factors sort of uh, dictate our immune system? Because it sounds like our immune systems are not all created equally. What are your thoughts on that, Emily? Yeah, um, so just um, playing on from, from what Jenna said there, there are um, sort of many different factors that, that go into the immune system and, and not everyone's immune system is the same. Mm. Um, there'll be things that play into that, um, such as sort of hereditary um, factors. So genetics um there'll be an environmental impact as well mm. um and there'll be um things that you eat so um you know making sure that you're getting a whole um balanced diet containing lots of nutrients is important for um your immune system functioning hydration status um and then you've got sort of more lifestyle impacts like um lack of sleep stress um smoking and alcohol if if you're sort of um, partaking in, in smoking or drinking alcohol that can have a, an effect on the immune system function so there's just so many things um, that that sort of play into this um, part of um, how our immune systems function. Yeah it really does sound as though you know they're as unique as our fingerprints um, and that's something that I'd really like to talk to Jenna a little bit more about as well. Um, mm -hmm. So how is it that exercise can impact um, our immunity? 
Yeah, so exercise can influence how well the whole system works in several different ways. And um, one of the key ones is just literally moving our muscles, moving our body, getting out for a walk. It doesn't even have to be high intensity exercise. It's helping to move that lymphatic fluid around the body. And this is kind of the circulatory system of your immune system. So instead of, uh, you know, the blood has the heart to pump it around, the, the lymphatic system is reliant on your muscles moving. And this helps the immune cells to move around the body and they perform a surveillance function, looking out for anything untoward. So it's really important to break up sedentary periods with just getting out of your chair, moving around, going for a walk um, and keeping that lymph fluid flowing. Now, exercise also has a role in the overall balance of the immune system. It has uh, a natural kind of overall anti-inflammatory effect, calming down any unruly inflammation. It helps with the production of new immune cells and getting rid of the old ones that might not work so well. It helps us maintain an overall good and healthy weight, which is really important to the overall functioning of the immune system because both fat and muscle are very immunologically active tissues. And it's actually one of the key ways that we can keep our immune system young and rejuvenating so doing resistance exercise as well as um, aerobic things like walking and running cycling is a good way to maintain muscle mass which we lose as we age and we know that this can have a negative impact on our immune function wow okay so there's so many different things that can affect that and it's interesting to hear about um with, with regards to exercise, how much would you say is needed to have some of those benefits? Is it a stepwise progression that the more you do, the more benefit you get? Or can you sometimes do too much exercise? Yes, exactly. I think that's a key point. Some is good, but more might not necessarily be better. I think the important uh, thing that people should be focusing on is moving regularly throughout the day, breaking up periods of sedentary behaviour uh, frequently rather than sitting all day in front of your desk and then, you know, hammering out some high intensity class in the evening to counteract all the sitting. It doesn't really work like that. We should be aiming for at least two resistance-based uh, um, exercise sessions per week. And again, just, just that movement. So anything that's aerobic, that can be walking, skipping, running, cycling, swimming, and doing that several times through the week. Now, if you do do too much exercise, um, this can take its toll on our body. It actually increases stress hormones. It can actually become quite pro-inflammatory. And if we're not fueling and recovering from that exercise properly, then this can have an overall suppressive effect on our, on our immune system function. Mm, you know, that really doesn't surprise me. I remember when I was training for the London Marathon, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of running. Mm -hmm. And I did the marathon. And then literally two days afterwards, I came down with a horrendous cold. Oh. <laughs> it's the first one I'd had in years. So yeah, I can definitely relate to that one. Um, okay, so that's really interesting. With regard to exercise, Jenna, what you've said is really it's it's about trying to keep your body moving as much as you can throughout the day, a couple mm -hmm. of um, resistance training kind of um, routines a week. What would that involve? So for somebody who is perhaps elderly and is sitting at home, they're prone to frailty, um, you know, they're taking their vitamin D supplement, as we talked about a little bit earlier. What could they do with regard to resistance training? Could you get, you know, a couple of baked beans cans and start to use oh, those? Yes. Or that would be enough to just kind of get you started. Exactly. I'm always um 
um, looking to my parents as an example, they're in their 70s and they're um, very active people, but it's things like, uh, you know, doing what's right for your body, uh, listening to your body, getting it up and down out of the chair several times in a kind of squat where you go into the chair and out, um, using a wall, pushing against the wall for um, resistance in a kind of press-up position, and then you could move to something like a table. Um, and yeah, getting your can of baked beans, putting some music on and doing some dancing in your living room, uh, and really listening to your body and, and not starting too, too extreme with any new fitness routine that you embark on. Brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Jenna. And I'm really definitely on board with the dancing around the kitchen. That's something I really <laughs> like to do. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. So earlier in the discussion, Emily, we talked a little bit about the importance of a balanced diet and the role of food and immunity. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about what kind of things we should be really eating to help support our immune system? So there's a ver like a various range of different foods that may be beneficial for normal immune system function so um what we're looking at here is trying to get a what we call a balanced diet um so you'd be wanting to get a lot of um, nutrients from a lot of different types of foods um basically so if we think about um a few of the nutrients that you get from certain types of foods that may be beneficial for immune system function for instance um, I think the main one that everyone thinks of when we think of the immune system is vitamin C. Um, so vitamin C can be found in lots of fresh fruits and vegetables like bell peppers. I think everyone thinks of oranges um, when we think of, of vitamin C. So making sure that you get a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables to get that vitamin C in. And then we've got vitamin A, um, which again, another important system for uh, uh, important nutrient for immune system function. Um, so vitamin A can be found in things like oily fish, um, liver, uh, dairy and eggs, um, but it can also be found in like a water soluble form from things like apricots and green leafy vegetables. Mm. Um, and then you get things like iron from a liver again, but red meat, beans and nuts, um, and then things like selenium and zinc, um, which can be found a lot in nuts and seeds. Um, zinc, particularly in pumpkin seeds, and selenium can be found in Brazil nuts. Um, and an important little fact about Brazil nuts is that you only need one Brazil nut to get your, your whole selenium intake for the day. Um, so it's important not to overeat them, um, but certainly um, sort of getting all those different types of foods into your diet, um, getting lots of whole grains um, and getting some dairy as well. Um, if you if you can intake dairy, that is. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a sort of range of different foods, but making sure that you get a healthy, balanced diet, um, and you'll find that all these different nutrients tend to come from different sort of coloured foods as well. So you'll find that certain um, nutrients can be found in green foods, green leafy vegetables. Certain ones can be found in like more red foods. So like. Um, the beta carotene, for instance, tends to be found in like more orange, like carrots and, and apricots. Um, so, yeah, getting a, a range of different nutrients from from lots of different places can can really help support the normal immune system functioning there. That's wonderful. Such a detailed answer. And it's great to give us very specific ideas of which foods we can enjoy more of. Um, if you're having a more plant-based diet, would there be good sources um, that you mentioned about uh, things like zinc, for example, did you say? 
Yeah, so zinc was um, pumpkin seeds um, oh, is, yes. is another source. Um, cashew nuts as well um, is another source as well. So there, there are, um, for the minerals in particular, it tends to be sort of nuts and seeds tend to be the sort of main um, plant-based mm. source in particular. Um, there are some such as B12, which are more difficult to get into a plant-based diet. Mm. Um, but, but certainly lots of um, minerals can be um, sort of taken from nuts and seeds. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, with regard to vitamin B12, yes, I would definitely suggest a supplement if you're fully plant-based. You can also get it from things like nutritional yeast and supplemented plant milks. So these days it's quite amazing. They even supplement with iodine, but it does depend on which plant milk you're going for. So do check that out. That's really great. Jenna, have you got any other points or tips with regard to food? We've talked about having a nice variety of fresh greens and all the different colors of the rainbow. We talked about nuts and seeds. We talked about about the importance of vitamin A, selenium, zinc. Um, is there anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Elise really covered it well there. Uh, the immune system does require all of these essential micronutrients. So these are the vitamins and minerals that we cannot synthesize ourselves, all the ones that were um, mentioned there to function properly. And I guess vitamin D is the sort of exception to the rule in that we cannot easily get enough from diet. So this is the one that we get from sunshine. And when you're in a place like the UK where we are heading into winter, the sun just isn't going to cut it in terms of your vitamin D levels. Um, I mean, from my side, I think I would, advocate for a food first approach to cover all your nutritional needs because food is conveniently packaged up with fiber which is great for the gut and really important for our immune system and it also contains these things called phytonutrients so these are not uh, things that are included in our recommended daily allowance like vitamins and minerals, but these are what I like to call longevity compounds. So they're, they're anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, um, uh, antioxidant, and they have this, this whole host of benefits that work a bit like an orchestra. So the more different colors you have in your food, the greater variety you're getting. And when eating consistently across your lifetime, they're very important for the overall functioning of your immune system. Oh, I love the way you describe that there, like an orchestra of phytonutrients. <laughs> I think that's so important. There are so many thousands of uh, different phytonutrients, some of which we have not even named mm -hmm. yet. So <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of getting whole, whole fruits, whole vegetables in your diet. How lovely. Now, you've mentioned that there are other lifestyle factors involved in immunity, and I'd love to talk to you a bit more about the role of sleep. That's something that we've um, come across a lot more in recent years. Jenna, would you be able to share with us how lack of sleep can uh, impact our immune system? Yes, uh, it's such a key component of the overall functioning of our immune system. We know that having a lack of sleep so um, getting a really poor night's sleep, maybe only four or five hours, can really jeopardize how well our immune system works the next day. This can make us much more susceptible to picking up germs if we're exposed to them. And it can also mean that it takes us much longer to recover. This is also one of the key factors in um, 
making vaccines not work so well. So it really is important that we prioritize sleep and the sleepy hormone melatonin, which is the thing that um, our bodies release when our eyes start to detect it getting dark in the evening. This is very anti-inflammatory. It's very restorative for the immune system and it's a signal to the immune system that it's time for rest and repair. Whereas during the day, it's more time for being on standby in case any we, we meet any infection or have any damage. So my thing that I tell my kids is rest really is the best um, and we should all be prioritizing our sleep. If we have good quality, consistent sleep most of the time, then we're going to weather those odd evenings where we have a late night deadline or a late night party, although I'm sure there's not so many of those happening anymore <laughs> since I lockdown. <laughs> but um, keeping a routine is really the best. Trying to avoid those electronic devices in the evening um, and keeping your bedroom cool uh, waking up at a similar time every day those are going to be your best strategies for getting good quality and quantity sleep mm, that's so interesting it's made me think about some of the patients that I see um, with regard to things like attention deficit um, disorder because sometimes they are prescribed melatonin um, have mm. you do you have any experience or understanding of how attention deficit could affect the immune system if it if it can affect the ability to secrete melatonin as well yeah i mean it's uh, there's a direct link between uh, our brain and our immune system they're both sensing systems our brain needs to um, be observing all the time what's going on in our environment and so does our immune system so it's prepared for any challenges that that may come across and we have this what we call the immune brain access which is through neurotransmitters and um, the endocrine system so different hormones um and the the nervous system and also the communication molecules of the immune system there's a constant and crosstalk between uh, both systems and anything that could affect um, things like your attention or other aspects of your mental well-being it's going to have this effect on your immune system and vice versa wow that's so fascinating okay Feeling under the weather, there's nothing worse than when a cold strikes. But with Coloba Cough and Cold Relief, you can tackle colds head on from day one. It contains the traditional herb Pelagonium, a natural antiviral which helps relieve symptoms of the common cold, such as cough, runny nose and sore throat. Suitable for all the family from age six. Choose from a sugar-free syrup, tablets or oral drops and Coloba that cold. Available in selected Holland and Barrett stores and online. Coloba is a traditional herbal medicinal product used to relieve the symptoms of upper respiratory tract infections including the common cold exclusively based on long-standing use as a traditional remedy always read the label emily what are your thoughts on with regard to things like exercise and sleep and the immune system if you've got anything else that you'd like to add um jenna's covered it quite well so i mean for for exercise um you know in particular um that can also be part of the um sort of getting outside uh, getting that important sunshine as well so i think we we usually sort of recommend about 30 minutes of like um cardiovascular exercise a day if, if you can um and that just ensures that it sort of gets you up and moving um and if you can go for like a 30 minute walk a day something that doesn't particularly need to get you um, sort of out of breath um, but certainly just make make sure that you get outside and get moving then that's a you know can be beneficial um, with regards to sort of 
sleep and um, in particular um, that's something that really has a, a great regulatory effect on the immune system so um, with with that uh, it's one of those things that nothing can replace it um, so you know we'll get uh, customers phoning up sometimes saying that they've had a you know really bad night's sleep they feel really bad what what can I take um, and it's just one of those things where nothing replaces good sleep <laughs> unfortunately so much as we would love that I think this is the problem with our modern lifestyles you know, we're, we're always on the go we're always thinking about what we have to look at with our screens and our emails mm -hmm. and our messages and our dms and we always tend to stay up a bit late and then we regret it the next day <laughs> when we're starting to get symptoms of a cold. So that's a really good point to make that you cannot replace good sleep. Um, so Emily, you talked about the importance of being able to spend some time outdoors. Um, how can people support their immune health while spending a lot more time indoors? Is there anything else that you would suggest? Um, so again, trying to sort of keep a bit more active, even if you are spending more time indoors and um, trying to just get about um, your day even walking up and down the stairs a couple of times um, trying to get that healthy balanced diet that we talked about before as well if you are able to even just go into your garden for instance um, to have a little bit of time outside um, that's also you know fantastic and then things like making sure that you're staying hydrated um, just a simple thing like that making sure that you're getting it enough hydration to ensure that everything can flow around the system um as it should um getting those eight hours sleep mm, wonderful okay and Jenna, I was just thinking a little bit more about what you're saying about the importance of being outside. It's not just about getting fresh air, is it? What are the other benefits of actually being outside for your immune system? Yeah, I, I love um, I love that question because I think it's so, so important that we build into our routines, even in those dark winter days, a way to sort of get ourselves outside, even if it's just for a short walk around a block can get a little bit of exposure to the sun, which is beneficial for vitamin D, although not enough in winter to um, give you enough vitamin D. Also, sunshine has lots of other benefits. Um, it's been shown to actually uh, work on our skin and the immune cells under the skin, even irrespective of the vitamin D impact. Uh, it's good to take your eyes away from looking at a screen really close. So when we start to look further away, um, our eyes relax um, and this uh, sends a signal to our brain that we feel more relaxed. So just that moving from um, a short view to a long view, um, the, the, the physical changes in our eyes relay to our brain a feeling of relaxation. Uh, and plus getting into nature is something that we can combine with getting outside. If you have a park nearby or you live near some green space and all the kind of um, molecules that the, the, the green plantation is producing so they're called phytoncides we can breathe these in these have actually been shown to be very nurturing for the overall functioning of our immune system and it's just um, very relaxing and stress relieving to be around green spaces so this has been shown in, in several studies now and I think that you know from a personal perspective for me it's it's a real kind of way to sort my head out if I'm having a very busy day or I feel like I'm chained to my computer um, for long periods of time so I would really encourage people to make a little bit of space to just get outside. 
Oh, that's so true. It's making me want to go out in the garden right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I'm thinking also about things like pets. On the one hand, I suppose, if you have an active immune system in some respects, you may be more at risk of allergies to animal dander. But on the converse side of the argument, having a pet would actually expose you to many different microbial environments. So what, do, what are your thoughts on owning a pet, Jenna? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've just got two little kittens a few weeks ago, so I'm really in that honeymoon phase of pet ownership. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, studies that support how pets can influence our well-being, just from a companionship side and, you know, again, going back to that stress relieving, to the fact that we're swapping our microbial communities all the time uh, without even realising it, because our environments have uh, their own microbiota, so the that are living on us, in us and around us. And so we're breathing and swallowing that and that can have a, an effect on the overall, overall diversity of our own gut microbiota. Uh, and we know that diversity is, is a marker of a, um, a good and resilient um, gut health. Brilliant. So we can breathe our microbiome, we can touch our dog's microbiome or our cat's <laughs> microbiome and we can get outside in nature. I love that. And it's interesting how it fits in with the... Uh, the Japanese concept of forest bathing and being in nature, breathing in those phytoncides as well, mm. which I think there is some study evidence to suggest it can help to support our immune function. So that's just amazing. And is that something that you would recommend? Because I know that age can sometimes have a real impact on our immune function. So as mm -hmm. we get older, um, are there any specific strategies or techniques that you would um, have? And, and more specifically, how do you think aging affects the immune function? Yeah, I mean, we, we have this tendency to treat the capability of our immune system as some kind of static thing, but actually it changes throughout our life course um, from childhood to adulthood and then into our twilight years. And yes, sadly, there is a tendency for your overall immune function to, to decline as you get older. Um, but what we do know is that your immunological age needn't be the same as your chronological age. So if you maintain a good lifestyle, plenty of exercise, maintain that muscle mass as you get older um, and then engage in a really... Um, good and varied diet then you have the best chance of your immune age actually being younger than your your actual age um and i think from a nutrition side we, we might need to be aware that our digestion might not work as well our microbiota might not be um functioning as well as we get older so we might have slightly different nutritional needs as we age as well Mm, yeah, I think uh, it's definitely true that our protein intake is uh, important, especially over the age of 65, to ward off the issues with muscle mass mm. wa wasting and things like that. So that's a really good point. Um, so what, a, what about families with young children, Emily? Have you got any particular tips um, around sort of what parents can do to help support the immune function of their children as they're going back into school in these winter months? Yeah, so um, that's it. another one of those things and sometimes young children's diets don't tend to be um, maybe as varied as they, they can be, trying to introduce lots of different new foods to them in an, in an exciting way um, can, be, can be beneficial for that. So um, as we said before, those important nutrients that you get from things like um, fruit and vegetables, nuts and seeds. Um, in some schools, nuts maybe not um, because they do have that sort of um, nut-free school um, system now. Um, but 
generally um, sort of getting lots of different foods into their diet for, for when they go back. Um, and then you'd be looking at things like making sure that they're getting regular sleep again, uh, regular exercise, making sure that they have that routine um, built into them. Um, just, yeah, just making sure that they're sort of supporting their immune system in, in any way that they can. Um, and if for, for some reason they're not able to um, intake certain nutrients, um, maybe looking at supporting that with uh, a multivitamin right. if necessary. So there's some really interesting points there. Thank you so much, Emily. And it's made me think of the nut allergy issue in a bit more detail, because as you say, there's loads of schools where parents can't let their children go in with nut bars and nuts and things like that. So Jenna, would you be able to share with us your thoughts on nut allergies and why they're becoming perhaps more common or, or do you think that they are becoming more common? Yes, I definitely think there's a trend that nut allergies and um, other allergies are growing. The reasons for this are, are many and complex, and there is a, a, also a genetic um, underlying factor that could contribute to this. Um, sadly, one of the key things in a, in a healthy child with no genetic uh, predisposition to allergies is to expose them from a young age to these foods that are now known to be the, among the top allergens, so like nuts, eggs, milk, um, uh, sea, uh, shellfish, that kind of thing, because we now know that delayed exposure could actually be more problematic in the long term. So I think if you're at home and you have young children and you don't have any history of allergies, then it's completely fine to give your kids these foods and always check in with your healthcare provider if you have any um, underlying questions or queries. But obviously schools have to be really vigilant of the children who do have allergies, um, which means that these products are often banned in schools, which is actually a real shame because it might increase a hesitancy in some parents to to provide these at home yeah i agree i think it is a, a shame but obviously an understandable thing especially if somebody has a life-threatening um, allergic yeah. reaction but um so you're saying that one of the best things to do now the science says is to expose your young child early on say from what the age of about one would you say like nut butters and things like that yes yeah, so i think in terms of nuts the best way is um once you start that weaning journey check in with your healthcare provider but you can um uh, start to introduce nuts as a nut butter because it's a lot um, smoother and doesn't have the same choking uh, risks and then once the child is older then they can get used to eating uh, nuts when there's less chance of choking. Um, so circling back through this discussion it's been so interesting and so useful and Emily you mentioned earlier that if your child's a fussy eater or if you're not quite sure if they're getting enough that sometimes a multivitamin is useful. Are there any other circumstances under which uh, a supplement would be useful in addition to having as many whole foods and a variety of fruits and vegetables as we can? Yep, so I think the big one that sort of um, ran through the podcast today is vitamin D. Um, mm -hmm. So as Jenna mentioned, um, in the winter we don't get as much sun and the sun isn't strong enough for, in order for us to synthesise our own vitamin D. Um, so certainly between the months of October to April, um, around 10 microgram supplementation is usually recommended. Mm. Um, and then there are things like um, allergies, again, for instance, if, if someone has um, celiac disease, for instance, well, it's not an allergy, but um, if, we, if we put that under um, in that 
sort of vain and you have to remove types of foods from your diet um, then there'll certainly be a potential for a lack of certain nutrients in that respect as well um, mm. you as we mentioned before you can get a lot of nutrients from a vegan diet and there's certainly a lot of um, new companies that are sort of supplementing their foods with um nutrients now as well so you mentioned about um, plant-based milks and iodine now that's a, an interesting fact because that was one thing that was really lacking in a, a vegan diet before but now fantastic that they're starting to introduce those into plant-based milks and, and b12 um so you know in in those respects if you're not getting a whole a vegan diet for instance some of those nutrients may be either looking into supplementing it or trying to find um, a, a source of uh, plant-based food that does contain it yeah. um, and then you've got other things like uh, children with a sensory processing disorder so um, not quite fussy eating but if, if they have a sensory processing disorder and they can only eat certain types of food for whatever reason um, again, that might be something to look at to, to try and supplement them. Um, so there's lots of different reasons why someone might not be able to eat certain type foods. And from those types of foods, you might be getting certain nutrients. So looking into that um, a bit more may sort of require supplementation from that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I find the whole area very fascinating because I think many of us actually have fortified and supplemented foods without even realising it. You know, mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of the supermarket bought breads are supplemented with a variety of B vitamins. Um, and as you say, cow's milk is already supplemented with iodine. And now, thankfully, plant milks are also supplemented. So, um, and of course, we have um, folate supplementation as well. So there's a, actually a lot of supplements within our foods without us even realizing um, in order to sort of help plug those gaps and I think you're absolutely right when you have certain dietary patterns it's always important to think about the key nutrients that we can get from each of those so that's really interesting well ladies I think we've pretty much covered all the things that we were aiming to talk about today I think it's so it's been so fascinating to understand a little bit more about how the things that we can do can affect our immune system over and above what we were given um, from our genetic blueprint from birth so um, I absolutely love being able to learn about these things to help us um, in our immune system because we're all so unique it's like a fingerprint being able to go outside in nature do squats do uh, resistance <laughs> training maybe having a pet maximizing our nutrients ensuring we get good sleep um one more thing i really feel that we have to talk about now though jenna is one of the things that's kind of like the pillars of lifestyle medicine and looking after ourselves that we haven't yet covered is the importance of stress management i think at the moment stress is something that is affecting so many of us and jenna it would be really good to hear your thoughts on how stress can impact our immune system Yes, it's probably one of the most overlooked things that has a negative effect on our immune system. And this, you know, stress might feel psychological. It's something we might um, not associate with having a biological effect on our body, but it always, always does. Because when we feel stress, there is stress chemistry that's produced in our body that gives us all those sensations. Um, and these can 
Uh, they're designed to motivate us to get out of a stressful situation, to get away from fear or danger. So they're designed to work over a very short term period. And because of that, they're also designed to switch off your immune system so that you can focus on dealing with that stressor because the immune system is quite energetically costly. So it's kind of a triage of, of your resources there. And cortisol is one of the key stress hormones, which we know can turn down your immune response. So it's really challenging because stress might be perceived differently for different people. It depends on our personality type, um, our, our coping resources and our support networks. Uh, and it's stress might also result in us engaging in poor healthful behaviors. So we might start sleeping worse and we might start eating worse and, and the sort of trickle down effect of stress can also negatively impact our immune system. But we can improve how we deal with stress and I'm a bit of a natural stress head. So this is something I have a personal interest in as well um, and I think that um, we just need to check in with ourselves and see that we're getting stressed by situation recognize it and start to look at how we're responding to that um, and not always see stress as negative it's actually designed to motivate us it shows us that we really care about something uh, and we can just introduce a bit of a pause a bit of a mindful moment to consider the best way we can respond to that stressful situation and try and use it to our advantage as a way to motivate us forward. Um, there is uh, many different stress re reducing techniques and, and what most of the research shows is that actually these can be dependent on different cultural um, uh, things and, and where you are and where you live, what's going to work for you. So, you know, there's loads of resources out there from journaling to meditation to simply walking or checking in with friends and you just have to find all the different tools that are going to work for you. That's a really good point. It's definitely tailoring it to you and what you know are your triggers for stress. And you mentioned about different cultures, and that brings me around to another point with regard to other things to help support our immune system. And that is the issue of things like fasting, because I know that fasting has been a feature of many different cultures and um, religions throughout the years. Um, is that something that can have an impact on our immune function? And is that something that you would ever recommend to somebody I think in my career, I've, I've certainly seen fasting pop up um, at scientific conferences and scientific publications for the past couple of decades. It's been around a long time, but we as yet don't have a strong kind of protocol that we can give to people that will suit uh, their particular health challenge. It's quite an experimental technique. And I know we hear lots of anecdotes of, of how it can miraculously cure people. And when you're fasting and you're not eating, it's also possible that you won't eat enough food and that is known to be an impairing factor for your immune system because you need to fuel it so it's able to have the energy and the reserves possible to go out and fight infections and keep you well. Brilliant. Okay. So we don't yet have enough data to support this in, for human health and also there's a chance that you could overdo it and actually suppress your immune system. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. I think we've covered an incredible amount of ground. I feel like we've got some really good practical tips for everybody with regard to what to eat, how to get a good sleep, um, what we can do to move our bodies, what we can do to get out in nature. Are there any other closing thoughts, Emily, that you have that you could share any top tips for our listeners about Im improving and supporting their immune health? 
I think we've I think we've covered most of it really. Um, <laughs> yeah, just making sure um, that, as, as Jenna said, again, taking time out for yourself is a, a really important um, thing to do. Making sure that you're um, checking in with yourself, having that little mindful moment, and doing something that that's really important for you. Um, making sure that you're um, getting that regular sleep, getting all those uh, nutrients that you need to to support your immune system. Um, I think is the the sort of key there. Fantastic. And Jenna, have you got any last minute top tips for our listeners? Yeah, I just think uh, I'd like to yeah just encourage everyone to to accept it. It's really a complicated system. There's never going to be one quick fix. It's going to be the overall input of all these different things that you're doing. So all these little tiny um, aspects of your lifestyle and your diet that you're improving uh, and focusing on, those are going to build up and and give you the best chances of. Um, looking after your health for the long term. So develop those little habits rather than embarking on, you know, one huge unattainable goal, I think. That's amazing. Lifestyle changes, baby steps, make it sustainable, make it fun. All right. So thank you so much, ladies, for joining me. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And please do join me again for our next episode when we'll be discussing sleep in a bit more detail and we'll be answering the big questions about how you can sleep better tonight. For more health and wellness advice, visit the health hub at hollandandbarrett.com. All views are those of our guests and not Holland and Barrett unless explicitly stated otherwise. Any reference to brands and or products should not be considered as an endorsement.